The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Edward Cohen. He's totally gorgeous, obviously, but apparently nobody here is good enough for him. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, he got to me so fast, he was nowhere near me. Sounds like you were very lucky. I don't care. I've killed people before. It does not matter. This is the skin of a killer, Bob. Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Aislinn Addington. And I'm Tobin Addington. And this week is just us. We have no guest. No which... guest. We've had some amazing guests. I've loved them all. It's also kind of nice to talk to you, bro. Yeah, yeah. And we'll have more guests in the future. But this is, uh, yeah, we cleared the decks for this one. This this felt like one that uh, <laughs> that we shouldn't subject anyone else to, maybe. Or I don't know. I, I'm curious to see where we come out on this. Uh, we're talking today about 2008's Twilight. Not to be confused with the, the Paul Newman, Susan Sarandon vehicle from 10 years before. Uh, oh, no, we- it's not that one. No, whoops, did you watch, watch the wrong movie? No, just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is uh, This is... For all you Twihards out there, is that what twi- they're called? Twiheads or Twi? Twihards, you're right. I, I had that in my notes as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we are. Here we are. We're ready to talk about your movie. Here so buckle up. Um, so Tobin, I'm going to tell you first. I was going to ask you, but I'm not even pretending. I want to talk first. Um, okay. Let me just let me just share briefly my journey. Is that a scene for this. us? Um, as I have mentioned, as you know well. Um, I am a big fan of YA as a genre. Do we call it a genre? Sure. Um, or or um, why you know YA literature yeah. in whatever genre it comes mm-hmm. um, from the large franchises to small things. Yeah, yay for YA is what I say. The so PG thirteen romance and PG thirteen violence are like where my recreational brain wants to be. That's your jam. Yep. My jam is my wheelhouse. So that's part of what intrigues me. Also, I do love a little magic in my life. I do love a little vampire in my life. You knew I didn't know that part. You didn't know that part. Well, you were the one who showed me interview with a vampire well, as that, a child. Is that what is that what did it? Well, and then I remember reading it because you had it. I remember I reading it um, mm-hmm. during your trombone lessons and other times when I was near your backpack. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, God, what else so, did you find? I don't want to know. <laughs> so, um, yes, I've, I've, you know, I love me some True Blood, which is very different. Um, I did not make it to Vampire Diaries, but yeah, I like a little, I mean, obviously Buffy. Hello. Right. Of course. Yeah. That's an text for you, right? Indeed. Um. So, and I caught this right on like the cusp of the big wave. So a friend of mine in graduate school, Brittany, hi, Brittany, um, started talking about this book and there was a Bella and there were vampires and there was a thing. And as I recall, was drawn to it, but had questions like kind of stepping in, stepping out. And so then I, it was summertime. I said, yeah, me too. Let me, let me get in on this. And I will tell you that the first read through of the first book I admit I found compelling. Now, 
there were many questions that I had as a grown adult woman that I wanted answered better or at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there was, there was, I was interested. And then I found the both, um, I would say the <sighs> racially charged eroticization. That's not a word. No, but I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. And just blatant, I would say racism um, mm-hmm. yep. of the second book um, too much for me. And, um, and the, the, yeah. And you checked out the, at that point. I checked out pretty hard, um, but I wanted to give the first one a chance. And I read it right as the first press about the movie, the development was coming out. So mm-hmm. sort of right in line that way. Um, and so I did go to this in the theater, I shall admit. And the one thing for me that really I feel the same way about 10 years later mm-hmm. is the soundtrack. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I do enjoy that soundtrack, and it just brings back 2008 for me, and um, sure. it makes me smile. Um, how about you, my friend? I think I read this book before you did. Uh, I think so, too. I also like some YA, and in fact, I remember being in the section of one of our local bookstores uh, and wandering through the small YA section and seeing this book with some kind of – there's a there was a mark underneath it. Or, and I maybe had read about it somewhere, but I can't remember. Anyway, something compelled me to, to – pick this book up. I'd probably heard about it, read about it somewhere. And I read it and I know what you mean. There is something there. My memory of it is that it was horribly written and mm-hmm. that I had, I had uh, like, there were all kinds of issues that I had with what was going on, but I could not stop turning the pages. Like I had to know what happened next. There was some kind of quality of, of being, uh, yeah, sort of being drawn in. So I found it, um, uh, sort of, as you say, in some strange way, compelling, but also I really disliked the experience of reading it. And I never read any of the other books and was not moved to read any of the other books. I found just on mm-hmm. a sentence level, on a writing level, the actual writing of it, let alone the some of the issues I had with the story itself and, and mm-hmm. especially the way it pr- portrays sex. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get there. there. But I did. But I but I so so the, on that level alone, I found it t- distasteful enough not to I, I couldn't stomach reading the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So my sort of knowledge of the rest of the stories comes either from seeing some of the movies or just sort of cultural osmosis. All right. Um, let's get, cause I just, I want to talk about yeah, it. So yep. let's get into the film history. So now I'm breaking a, a little bit away from the written word to a different set of written words. Um, what's your, what's your two bits? So here's my two bits. So the first bit is that this book came out and was very, very popular. Uh, even prior to the movies, Paramount, had the rights originally to make the movie. And they, uh, I, as I re- read it, they wrote a script. There was a script written that was very different from the book. And mm. then it just didn't get made. It got put into turnaround, which is what they call the, the, what happens when they decide not to make a movie, but they still own the rights. And then Summit en- Entertainment, which was an emerging, became kind of a mini studio, partly on the back of this movie, of this franchise. Uh, this emerging studio bought the rights from Paramount and um, saw sort of franchise potential in it uh, correctly. Um, and <laughs> so they went on and, and to sort of launch, that helped launch them as a brand. The second bit is a woman named Melissa Rosenberg was hired to write the script. She went on to write all of them, write all of the, the movie versions, uh, and um, had was, on a, was in a rush to write the write the movie turn the movie in before the writer's strike started at 
in October of 2008. Mm. Uh, a strike that I remember very well that uh, crippled a, uh, some projects of mine that were on their way toward uh, the screen. Uh, so a painful, painful time in um, <laughs> uh, up and comers movie history. But uh, so she gets the, the she got the script in on time, and then uh, the rest in terms of the movies is kind of history. One interesting thing I think about her is that she she wrote had written movies before, but she kind of came out of TV as well. She worked on things mm. like Party of Five uh, and Love it. The, the OC, which is where you can see maybe some of the yes. cred to write this movie. Uh, Ally McBeal, she wrote on Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. And then the, then she's returned to TV since then. She's the showrunner for Jessica Jones on Netflix right now. Ooh, yes. Right. So so she's she, there's a there's a wheelhouse of uh, a, a certain kind of thing that she does uh, that she gets hired to do and in some cases does very well. Uh, and so those are our two bits, <laughs> Summit Entertainment and Melissa Rosenberg. All right. Speaking of Melissa Rosenberg, let's talk about our ladies in charge. All right. Here's our list. Let's hear it. Director, Catherine Hardwick. Writer, Melissa Rosenberg. Adapting the work of Stephanie Moyer. How about this? Stephanie Meyer. Stephen Moyer played a vampire. Yes, Stephanie yes. Meyer wrote about it. I wasn't going to, yeah. I, I thought maybe you knew uh, there was something funny about the way she The Moyers and the Meyers? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, lead role, Kristen Stewart. Producer, Michelle Imperato. Also producer, Karen Rosenfeld. And editor, Nancy Richardson. There we go. We assume everyone is at on some level aware because of the ubiquity of this franchise. Right. But let us, for posterity, give you a... A little taste. Tobin, what is a brief summary of this film? If I get this wrong, don't at me because I just wrote this quick <laughs> to this afternoon. Okay. High school junior Bella Swan moves to Forks, Washington to spend a year, maybe, with her dad, who's the town's chief of police. A bit of a loner, Bella soon becomes infatuated with Edward Cullen, one member of a strange, mysterious, pale-skinned family who turn out to be vampires. They have super strength, super speed, skin that sparkles in the sun, and they've conditioned themselves not to feed on human blood. Bella and Edward fall in, I'm going to kind of say love with quotation marks, and we'll talk about it. Uh, then bad vampires show up, start killing people, which leads to a confrontation with the Cullens and a big chase and a final battle over Bella. Bella's bitten and Edward must save her by sucking out the venom without drinking all of her blood. And they end up dancing together at prom while one of the evil vampires watches from a window. Excellent. The only thing I would add that I think is important. I said don't at me. <laughs> no, go ahead. I thought you meant regular oh, okay. people. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, go ahead. Was that uh, I would say for a good period of time in the second half of this film, Bella is interested, you know, becomes interested in becoming a vampire. Yes, right. And right. that's at the prom. They have a huge discussion about him turning her into a vampire and he refuses and she is upset. But that's the end. Yeah. Let's go back to the beginning. Yep. Although she does, yeah, to be fair to you, she does pretty soon start talking about wanting to be a vampire. That does come up yeah. pretty quick in the, in the course of their relationship. But yes, where does this, where does this, where does this begin? 
where does it begin? I mean, I wrote, um, the first thing I wrote was, you know, source material written by a woman, directed by a woman, um, screen written by a woman, mm-hmm. which I had to look up because there's no real credits. Right, right. At the Not beginning. Not the beginning, right, right. That I just, and I, and I did try, it has been 10 years, I did try to watch this with fresh eyes, and I found that impossible. I'm sorry, tryhards. I could not. Um, <laughs> I did not give it a full chance. Now, I yeah, will. Now, what do you mean by fresh eyes? Explain what you mean. I have watched it. Um, so, I've, you know, I, I we talked about how we first came to the piece. I watched it. Then I watched it several times with the riff tracks. Mm over it um mocking it which i find to be still one of my favorites i think that's you and i watched it that way we did one time yeah yeah Um, Mm -hmm. it just they hit it on the money in so many ways in that even at that just level of silly sarcasm right and in the in the final credits of that and maybe this is youtubeable they write a song for to go over the closing credits called sparkly vampires (laughs) i don't remember that (laughs) and it's amazing wow and they've done the entire franchise. So for those of you who um, got swept up in it, which uh, no judgment and own pieces of the franchise, mm-hmm. I believe River Tracks, which are about four bucks a pop, are uh, you know available for each of them. I couldn't make it through even with Rift Tracks on the later ones. But in any case, so I've watched mm-hmm. it many times mm-hmm. with Rift Tracks and I've read um, various critiques about um, the relationship violence. Mm hmm. Uh, that's just welded into this as well as future pieces of the, of the franchise. And I just couldn't divorce it from seeing those patterns and, and seeing that evolve in a way that um, angers me. But even though I'm very angry, the opening shot of the deer in the forest, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. again, the second time I've referenced this takes me back to that, brilliant Parks and Rec episode with Will Forte when he's trying to convince them to put Twilight in the time capsule. Uh-huh, and he uh-huh. says, can I tell you about Twilight? And finally, Leslie Nope says yes. And he and he starts going shot for shot of the film. And he says, <laughs> we open on a beautiful wooden vista and a, you know, a, a, a tiny fawn drinks from a crystal clear creek. Uh, and so that, that helped me. And then we are immediately slapped with some voiceover, which will yes. continue throughout. Right. The first is something about um, dying in place of someone I love seems like a good idea, blah, blah, blah. And and I immediately thought, okay, this is how I know I'm not giving it a chance because that sentence is not unlike a different character from a different large franchise saying, I volunteer as tribute. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that sacrifice I read in such a different way. Yeah, interesting, right. But I thought of it like, okay – Clearly, I'm attracted to these stories. Yep. But why does this one already piss me off? And it's because of all this backstory <laughs> that I have. Right. You bring, um, you bring a lot of that baggage with you, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. But soundtrack is great. I think parts of it are gorgeous to look at. Obviously, yeah. we are a Northwest people. Right. So I appreciate that. Um, some of the clothes. Mm-hmm. I, mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it's it's well-dressed, and I mean that set and otherwise. Yeah. Um, it's the, slick. The, the Cullen's house is my dream house. Oh, interesting. That might come up in the game. Stay tuned, okay. everyone. Right. <laughs> um, teaser, teaser. So, and then, yeah, and then I I could keep going, but I'm going to give you a chance to speak, but only briefly. Um, <laughs> voiceover, I mentioned, and you perked at that. 
You want, you want to talk about that from a filmmaking perspective? Yeah, I think one of the reasons that, in addition to the baggage that you're bringing, that that moment works better in the Hunger Games is that that's happening in the scene. It's happening mm-hmm. in a moment. And this voiceover, we don't know. A part of what they're tr- what they're going for, I think, is us not knowing what she's talking about. Right. Uh, and, but the problem is that because we don't know what it's talking about, it doesn't carry any emotional weight. It sounds like a you know, sad teen, uh, mm-hmm. and nothing, nothing against sad teens. My, we've all been there. We've all been there. And that, well, we'll get to that later in this, in this thing, but I feel like this is like the, uh, easy, quick brushstroke, sad teen, not like there's, you know, it doesn't feel like there's much underneath there yet. The other thing is that that voiceover does, first of all, it lays things on pretty thick. And second of all, it does seem to be, it switches tenses, I think in that opening sequence from future to the mm. present. And in an, odd kind of way and it i'm not sure that it was that it feels tacked on necessarily because of because of the way it comes up in the rest of the movie but uh, you know one thing that had to be done by melissa rosenberg is she had to condense a lot of things and a lot of time Uh, i would argue that a lot of things she condensed were like it was just the same thing happening over and over again in (laughs) in in the book in a way but there is something there is something to that I, i need to say at the outset too that i I think this movie in some ways is extremely well made and that is part of what's so insidious about the movie I think and we'll get to it as we as we go along but I'm this is not me saying this is a this is a terribly made movie there are some um a combination in places of shots and performance and music and sound that because they are reinforcing these what I think of as pretty insidious values end up like that makes it worse. The fact that it's so good at doing at doing some things and mm-hmm. in time at times getting subjective into what adolescent infatuation feels like. And I and I think that that's you know that that doesn't happen in that opening voiceover, but it's but it's going to happen um, pretty soon. We also have to talk, if we could, briefly about Kristen Stewart. What was your uh, impression of her before this movie? Did you have one? Uh, where, how how do you come down on on Case Two? Um, I just want to uh, agree that. Uh, and I hope it makes in the final cut. Absolutely agree that the the way those elements work together helps it to um, successfully romanticize this exactly, truly abusive right. and violent exactly. relationship. That's what it is. That's exactly right. Yep. Yep. So I did not. I was one of the people who had to be reminded that she was Jodie Foster in Jodie Foster's Child in Panic, Panic Room. Yeah. Yeah. And looking through, I don't believe I was. I had seen her. I had seen her in in the land of women, and I'd I'm sure I'd seen her in something else, but I was not I was not super familiar mm-hmm. at the time. And I think in a similar discussion to what is the source material's fault with yeah. the writing, right? And not I think her performance in this, and and I would say same with Robert Pattinson is what do we blame on the character, and mm-hmm. what do we blame on the uh, on the actor. So for example, um, Anna Kendrick's character, Jessica yeah. is very annoying, but I think Anna Kendrick does a great job right. Right. At, at doing that. So um, case two, I think got a, has gotten a lot of shit at different points, uh, unfortunately, and, and unfairly. Mm-hmm. I think that this is a terrible role, uh-huh. right? <laughs> um, that, you know, we've already put one thing in quotes that this as the protagonist. Yeah. Is a is 
is written as a doormat. Yeah, right. And so I I wonder, I would love to, when does the statute of limitations run out when they can truly speak freely about it? I know Robert Pattinson has made some jokes um, about parts that were terrible and aspects of his own portrayal that, um, <laughs> you know, he was, he was being too method mm-hmm. on set. Mm-hmm. There was an article or an article or interview recently and, and people were mad that he was being um, salty on set. So I, I don't know where I've rambled. I wasn't familiar with her. And I don't, I don't think what annoys me about Bella is Kristen Stewart's fault. I think she has the potential to do, to do great things. And I think that she has. Yeah. What I, about you? I, no, I agree. I, I knew her pretty. I mean, I didn't know her. I thought <laughs> she was a magnetic performer coming into this movie. I knew her okay. from Panic Room. And then at the, that same year, I think, or maybe it was the year before, uh, a movie called The Safety of Objects came out, which was written and directed by a, um, a professor of mine in grad school. And got a bunch of people in it. Timothy Oliphant's in it, and Glenn Close is in it. It's a whole whole bunch of bunch of people. And she, uh, between those two things, and then seeing her in, in, into the wild, which is a movie I don't mm-hmm. I don't love, but she I think is 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 just magnetic. I you I find it hard in those first few roles to take my eyes off of her. I think she's she there's a there's a there's an intelligence there. There's a there's a sort of coiled energy that I respond to, and then this movie comes along. This is where I, why I think the source material is more to blame. I mean, I don't I don't think that she's particularly good in this movie, but I. Think think that because she has been so good before and and has been so good since there are other movies she's done since that we are going to talk about someday things like certain women and personal shopper movies that i really really admire uh and she sort of both she and robert pattinson have emerged into a sort of flourishing uh careers like artistically flourishing careers risk taking Mm -hmm. and and in in interesting things but but i was so i was remember being disappointed uh at this movie that they they both seem vaguely nauseous through most of the movie. And uh, no, that was you. Well, yeah. Okay. Maybe I was catching in some way, but I think, I think of that. You say that they've, you know, um, taken risks and been adventurous and this certainly gave them the platform, mm-hmm. right? Both financial security. I don't mean, I don't know how much they got by the end, but I assume by the end of the franchise, they were, hopefully compensated well for their time, yes, right. if nothing right. else. Um, and being able to be a face and sell something because for years, I'm assuming, um, tryhards would see them in other things and maybe be disappointed because it wasn't the genre that they liked. You know, that happens in music sometimes right, when right. a band has a, a radio friendly single mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that goes so far and then people like i want to go to that concert and then they realize oh really it's a you know i can't think of a genre you know hair metal whatever that wasn't what the radio was and they're disappointed but the people still bought the ticket so i think exactly right i think they got they were um set up for that and and the second the secondary collins as well and and i don't know that i would say the same about all of them in terms of like artistic integrity and uh-huh. taking risks, but they certainly had opportunities. Agreed. Yeah, exactly. After this. I want to amend a statement I made earlier. Okay. Yes, please. About the character. Um, I, I absolutely, the character um, becomes a doormat, but um, early on I wrote 
that she starts off quiet but independent, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then and then just loses that or gives that up or yeah is coerced out of it mm-hmm. in a way that is just so troubling. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But but she starts as a potential character that I would you know respect as a character. Yes, and interestingly, her father starts out. Uh, encouraging that independence too. He giving her the truck, mm-hmm. like he buys the truck for her and is sort of like e- encouraging her to sort of to go out with friends, to make her place here. You know, they there's some sort of troubled, you know, they're, they're astra- a little estranged. She's kind mm-hmm. of been dumped on him for this for this year. And um, that makes it uh, takes a real turn too. where by the end of the movie, his sort of values around her and uh, her independence, uh, you know, he, he he sort of makes a turn that I think is a real bummer <laughs> in this yeah. movie as well. But but they both so they both kind of start in this more independent, encouraging her or fostering her mm-hmm. independence in a way that I think is compelling. One, well, I, I don't know if this is the right time for my hot take. But while we are talking about her parents, Mm -hmm. I am going to go out on a limb. Follow me. Um, Where I think if we're looking for women who refuse to play by the rules and and giving them a a round of applause, Uh I think the mother in this story gets a real bad rap. Mm -hmm. Say more. She's described in the book. You said she's sort of dumped off on on her dad and and in a sense yes and i think there's a narrative of my mom has better things to do or my mom doesn't want you know me around while uh you know she's exploring this new relationship or what have you and elements of that are probably absolutely true but this is also a woman who is taking a new chance at life Mm-hmm. She has an, a new relationship that is fulfilling to her in a way that this old one wasn't. Mm-hmm. And um, they're on an adventure. And she, whenever she talks to Bella, she's very interested in her life. Yeah, yeah. She's very supportive of her life mm-hmm. and wants to know, what are you up to? What's going on? Tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of all the women in this, you know, piece, <laughs> I, I think she gets, um, I think she has maybe some of the most spirit spunk and um and life uh-huh. well i mean many of them are dead <laughs> but um but you know she is she's moving in a, in a direction and um not only is that not recognized that's she's portrayed as absent exactly. right. in a way that i i don't feel that way and it, it is again more so in the book but if we're looking at just yep. the film i think the film doesn't respect the gifts of the mother mm-hmm. as much as should. And she's a much, I want to follow that character. Right, yeah. I would much rather <laughs> hang out with her. Yeah. And what is this like? Uh, it's, it's portrayed as if she's older perhaps than the, the new husband, but maybe mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. We don't right. know exactly. But so this, I'm much more interested in that relationship yeah. and who that guy is. <laughs> um, I hope that she didn't just dump the daughter off, but it also sounded like, well, they were going to travel and you hadn't seen your dad and, okay, let's give it a try. So in terms of fearless women mm-hmm. in front of and behind the yeah, camera, yeah. There, there's that, one. <laughs> that's the one I'm pointing to here. She gets, she gets a, she gets a, a small trophy from me. Yeah. I think that's a great take. Thank you. It's a hot take. Um, <laughs> now that I've praised something, I need to get really dig yeah, into um, what angers me again. Let's do it. Let's do it. 
So within she's um, I'm going to skip some things because. So there's this strange tribe of very pale people who are vaguely related. We don't know how and they they um, float in and out of rooms. And I don't mean literally. I just mean they travel in a pack and the air stops when they come by. And she is immediately fascinated with him. He seems to be revolted by her. Whatever. There is um, it's a little icy in this um, very uh, overcast Washington town, which exists and has been ruined by this, by the way, in some mm-hmm. ways. And there's a small car accident and in uh, saving her from being crushed by a van, Edward sort of shows his powers, but only to her. She's the only one who's able to see that he single handedly literally keeps right. this van from hitting right. her. So now she knows her suspicions are starting to be confirmed. There's something weird about him. And um, she's treated at the hospital by his father, in quotes, who's also a vampire, and overhears a discussion of, you put us in jeopardy, blah, blah, blah. And then the part that gets me is so she confronts him. Yes. And says, you were completely across the parking lot. Right. No, I wasn't. I was here. I was right next to you. You you were so strong. You dented that van with your hand. You're not hurt. And like, I had an adrenaline rush. I don't know what you're talking about. And she keeps at him. And then he says, no one is going to believe you. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And right. as we may have, as we may remember from previous episodes, mm-hmm. that kind of language and narrative is quite irksome to me. <laughs> but broadly. But also, this is not the language you want from a love interest. And then in a, in a little bit, similarly, you don't know anything. And then kind of what if I'm the bad guy, which leads to kind of the next level of her... <sighs> indoctrination into this um, violent relationship. Mm -hmm. But so already she's in a position of defending him against his bad acts. Right. Right. And his not only bad self-talk, but his, um, you know, no one's going to believe you like that. That's the antithesis of what I'm working for in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So I think as time goes on, I'm just going to get angrier and angrier about this the messaging in this film. Yeah, agreed. One question that I have about Edward is, so he says he's been 17 for a long time. And I don't... Oh, when when they... Yeah, okay. Right? I don't know what the... Like, I, I don't know those series well enough to know how long he's been 17. And I, I don't know if... Well, you know, it was 1918, as we find out when he finally... Oh. Tells when you there's the a story flashback, that it was ter- terrible. The sepia tone flashback. The terrible sepia tone flashback. Yes. 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 Um, I just, I just don't want to lose the in between those two conversations. He does show up and saves her again in quotes, but um, because he was following her. Yeah, he's stalking so her. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I'm going to. This is this is what are you like stalking me? Yeah. Like, yes. And 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 this is all going to tie back in because my. My okay. comment is going to so he so he's been he's been almost he's almost a hundred years old then if he was seventeen and then a state seventeen and I don't know in this world of vampires if you if you stay the hormonal age that you are when you were turned <laughs> uh, like is he literally been seventeen all this time because that would be a special kind of cruelty um, or I it, don't think so okay, I think so, they accumulate maturity then that makes it even worse because now yes. you have a grown ass man who is gaslighting this young woman and then 
as you say, stalking her, following her. He's, it becomes even more predatory if you imagine him as an old man, which is what he fucking is. And, mm-hmm. and that that sort of is nowhere in the addressed in the material at all. I mean, none of this mm-hmm. stuff really is. No. And instead, you get these very effective shots of them longingly looking at one another or sort of or not longingly, but like the lingering glances back and forth mm-hmm. and the slow motion and the, the, all those sort of filmmaking cues that alert us to a simmering, growing infatuation slash love story that is entirely glossing over the fact this is an old dude trying to pick up this young girl, this young woman. Well, g- grooming her. Right. For this abusive relationship. How did you know where I was? I didn't. Right? Don't leave. Did you follow me? I I feel very protective of you. So you followed me? I was trying to keep a distance unless you needed my help, and then I heard what those lowlifes were thinking. Wait. You say you heard what they were thinking? So what, you... You read minds. I can read every mind in this room, apart from yours. I don't have uh, the strength to stay away from you anymore. It's, you're right, infuriating. And I, and I, you know, Twihards out there can help us out with this. Are they 17? Are they not? But the way that she says, you you know, you talk like you're from a different time and the way he's so condescending to yeah, her mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at various points and all the vampires, really, it, it makes me think that they do obviously accumulate knowledge, but I think they're set up to accumulate um, some sort of wisdom in, in a way that it, it felt similar to me in um, True Blood a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of vampires, <laughs> you know, because we That's are. That's what we're doing. I do want, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on the, the would it be the B story of the the bad guys uh-huh. and yeah. their rampage through the Northwest eating people for fun. Right. Except that I was reminded um, during the boat attack of the, the guy on mm-hmm. the boat that everyone knew. Yeah. When they, they show up, Victoria Laurent and the guy, I forget the other one's name. But the other one that I can't remember his name right. is because I remember his real name, which is um, <laughs> Cam Chikande, who is from Tacoma, Washington. Oh, really? Which is why huh. uh, my good friend Britton and I saw him at SeaTac. Oh, wow. Also well known, I put that in quotes, for um, his uh, turn as bartender and I'm sure something else on the side in burlesque. The <gasps> share vehicle. Oh, can we do that someday? I've never seen that Love movie. Love to. Oh my god. Oh my gosh, you haven't? No, no. Kristen Bell was in that movie. Is she really? Anyway. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um and um Stanley Tucci. <laughs> That's amazing. Star fucking studded. But in the okay. meantime, yeah. Cam Tugande. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that we ate a table and a half away from him, his supermodel wife, and the first of their three children. Oh. And he is, uh, you know how Tina Fey says most um, 
you can tell famous people because they're smaller than regular people and cleaner. Yeah, yeah. The cleaner part is true, but in his case, he's a very, like, sort of formidable dude and was, like, palming the baby. Like, had oh, the wow. baby, you know, kind yeah, of, yeah. well, close to my face, far away from my face, close. Anyway, <laughs> star sighting that I often forget about because it took us a while. Like, oh, my gosh, that's someone who is right, that. I know that. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think that's the poor guy from Twilight who was not in the rest of the franchise. <laughs> you know, they take some of the dumb friends from high school along through at least another movie and a half. Yeah, yeah. But um, but the, you know, the bad guy has to leave, but he got to do burlesque. So I did want to say that before we got too far. I wrote in the middle of my notes again, so much voiceover. One of the things that I remember from the book is how it seemed to be all about sex and so afraid of sex. Mm-hmm. And that there was the, it seemed to me that the push and pull, the will they won't they of the of the whole vampire thing and his his powers and all this stuff is some kind of clear sexual metaphor that felt very frustrated in the book as though. And I don't know, I but it felt to me as I remember that she as I remember it, it felt like she wasn't aware of it. The book did not seem to be aware of what it was about. Okay. Or am I I wrong about that? I I agree that like the larger bit, the book didn't know about because I don't, I don't know what Stephanie Meyer knows or not. But um, what to me was apparent in the book and very much in the film was it was all Bella's responsibility. Yes. And that's that, that trope that is so um, prevalent in, um, I would say more sexually restrictive cultural ideas that mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's the woman's responsibility if there's a woman in the relationship. And that starts again with that second time of him saving her mm-hmm. when he's so mad and he wants to kick the crap out of those guys. And he says, yes. you have to distract exactly. me or I will turn around. Right. right. What is that damn job? Right. Right. And then when he finally goes to kiss her, you're right. There's all these, there's this longing looks, all the looks, all the cut off forehead shots. And then finally says, I want to try something. Don't move. Yeah. Right. He yep. says, mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. Don't move. And then he says, stop it to her. Mm-hmm. when she gets more into it. So yeah, that's right. bothersome. Yes. In between, I have a couple more quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm feeling very protective over you. I don't have the strength to stay away from you anymore. Um, I'm designed to kill you. I've killed people before and I wanted to kill you. And her response is, I trust you. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's yes. So, so if you think about the millions of people who saw this movie. Yes. And... Billions of people, and and perhaps many of them have some of the same reactions, or, um, or a fragment of them that that we do. Or at first was all we're all about it, and then moved. I don't want this to be an indictment of I don't know of uh, enjoying a YA franchise, mm-hmm. but there are so many better ones, and it's just it's so problematic to have those. Because we get those messages from a lot of places. And then this is just, like you say, a beautifully packaged, right. gorgeously delivered, shiny, clean. This is how love should look and feel. Right. And it's, right. it's just not. Right. At all. Ever. Right. Isn't there a thing in the – and then may have, may have been, look, I had to – this is my confession. I rented, I, I rented this movie on Amazon to watch it and I could not – 
it took me three sittings to get through this movie. This is the third time I've seen it. It took me three yeah. t- tries to get through the sitting. It took me so long I had to rent it again because my t- 48 hours ran out. So mm-hmm. I paid twice to rent this movie, damn yeah. it, and watch this movie. But I and I and I th- is there a part in the movie and I know this comes up in other books where the if they have sex he will like lose control and kill her isn't that part of yes. the thing yes and the idea that she has it's to it's more the, so in the other books but yes right and that, that the, and you, you can kind of, you can kind of feel it in here in that scene you were describing where he leaves back from the bed after they've mm-hmm. after she's like come on let's get busy like it's so afraid of his of his sort of lust of his desire of his right. sexuality and and her sexuality like it's just it's so sex panicked about stuff and, and even maybe even more so in the book in a way that you're right puts it entirely on her shoulders that everybody has to sort of it's not his fault he can't the man a man can't control himself it's entirely exactly. up to, to women to control everything which which offends me as a man <laughs> like a let alone sure. i mean you know like I, I i and i'm 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 you know not the most important person to be uh, of offended by this movie but it does offend me as as a as a man that this is the portrayal that is as you, um i don't know if brainwashing is the right word maybe we borrow from this franchise and say that is imprinting on a bunch of tweens mm-hmm. who are who are absorbing this text as a uh, how love works like that bothers sure me. but also just you know um propelling that narrative it's not even you know let's not i i agree with you i think i don't think brainwashing is a term one i use ever but um but that i that i would use for this because i i don't want to take any more credit from the audience who may enjoy it right, on some true. levels right right but right. that that we're putting our money and our attention towards something with this narrative of relationships of sexuality of all that so it's is those really you know repressed and confining gender roles and ideas and and about sex and sexuality with this eroticizing abuse exactly so egregious because in that scene where he tells her to stop it because she's gets you know he she gets him too excited what have you he admits to having been watching her sleep yes 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 how did you get in here the window do you do that a lot? Um, just the past couple of months. I, I like watching you sleep. It's um, it's kind of fascinating to me. You, the scene would have played out differently if someone had appeared in my bedroom <laughs> and then admitted to that. Um, that's for sure. Yeah. Spe- you know, people losing nuts. And we had seen previously what we thought was a dream where she wakes right. up and he's standing there and then she really wakes up and he's not there. And this is you're right. This is the moment where we like we've even been present for that in a moment mm-hmm. that is that is even the film treats that moment as, cre- as kind of creepy. Right. She, well, but the film treats it as truth because she says that was the first night I dreamt of Edward Cullen. It's like, right. no, baby, he was there. Exactly. Right, right, right. Second, another thing that just in this realm of. The plot I wanted to put in, um, she goes to their home, which uh, is Tobin's dream home, and there are jokes, and there is forced listening to someone else play the piano. There's various things. And then um, <laughs> Rosalie, who's one of the sisters, in quotes, and actress Nikki Reed, who works has worked uh, multiple times with Catherine Hardwick, right. um, that character appears to be really upset about the whole situation. And I then 
again, I'm not, I'm trying to give it the least amount of credit possible. Um, I immediately read that as, oh, good. We finally get another set of kind of women together. And again, it's jealousy playing out. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, what, ah, stop it. Just stop it, Twilight. I've had enough. <laughs> Maybe if we watched it without the sound, no, it'd still be creepy. Yeah, no, I but it know. would be better because then you would not be hearing the words they're saying. You would see these shots right. that indicate you'd be, you'd be watching it without the text. <laughs> With, sure. And that well, would be useful. We've made our points about the problematic narratives of the, the relationships, the violence, the abuse, the, you know, sexuality yep. as it is allowed to be. Mm-hmm. People know how we feel about that. But as you say this, uh, it would be better without the sound. What? Let's talk about the writing for a second. Okay. Because the source material was not high quality. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't find this to be high quality. But again, I think they wanted it, the book, because the book had gotten so popular. Yeah. So whose fault? And if we're thinking about (laughs) it for an audience, you know, we've talked about with Wrinkle in Time in particular, if the audience is children, if the audience here is that, you know, like that sweet, sweet, you know, young adult box office, Mm -hmm. what do you make of the writing? I think as with the rest of this movie, it's the, the, gosh, I don't know how to say this. I think the writing here is better than in the book. Okay. I think because if nothing else, they've taken out the prose (laughs) (laughs) and it's a lot shorter. I mean, in some ways I'm being glib, but I mean that seriously, too. I think, look, I hate I hate to like I want to dunk on a bunch of other writers and stuff, but I I, I I think the fundamental issues with the movie are in this in the source material in ways that I don't think you could make a Twilight movie at all faithful to the source material and not have these issues. I think that you could, um, you wouldn't need to reinforce it in the way that it does sometimes, or also in the way that the, that the shots do. But I think that you, I think that the, the, uh, the seed is rotten. And Mm -hmm. so the tree is, I think in, almost inevitably, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think there's there's odd stuff. There's some kind of non sequitur stuff that if you're not at all familiar with the material of the book or didn't have the voiceover, you wouldn't quite wouldn't quite fit. And there's an interesting thing. And this may, may relate back to this or not. And we can then go back to the, our through line. But there was a moment where Bella is talking to one of the other young women. And I forget who it is, but she convinces her to she says something like, go take go. Um, assert yourself, basically, right? Right. Isn't she to ask the guy to prom, guy to prom, mm-hmm. right? And and she has this little burst of like, go stand up for yourself, and you know, go do a thing, and which is not a thing she's doing herself in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like there are times when the writing feels like there aren't many times. There are a few times where maybe the writing kind of feels its way toward that. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, for my money, it's just hamstrung by the source material. What What did you think? It's been a a very long time since I read any of it. And I was at the time the writing didn't stand out as so bad. It was the the sort of the issues I had with it, mm-hmm. not separate from but but what I remember is yeah. the objectification of young 
American Indian boys in the second one that I was like, nope, and I'm done. <laughs> and also there were terrible domestic violence narratives in that as well, that um, one of the partners of one of the werewolves got too close to him when he was angry and thus has giant scars <gasps> no, on her face. No, no, yeah, no. I mean, that's literally what they say. Oh, so, no. So those, that's what I remember. I don't remember the terrible writing. Oh. Other than that, it's just bad. Like you say, I think that that's a great phrase I'm going to use uh, in my day job that the, the seed is rotten. So that, so the, to me, I guess I, I, I felt that it was bad, but not the worst. I mean, there's certainly yeah, yeah. M- much worse. Um, oh, for sure. For sure. Writing in it. And I, I, I don't know. That's why I think it's not a, it's not, it's, this is not a bad movie in terms of a badly made movie. Right. It's there a bad movie you. in terms it's bad for humanity. People. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would like to jump ahead. Yes, please. So we've had we have these bad guy vampires who drink people's blood versus these vegetarian vampires um, <laughs> is what they call themselves that eat an, animal blood and the, and um, that, that do sparkle in the sunshine. We've I just can't even redo that scene. Watch <laughs> it if you want. I don't care. But um, as Bella becomes a a larger oh, can part I say of one Edward's quick thing life, about the sparkling. Now that you mentioned that, just real quick, is that okay? Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know you're on a roll. I apologize. Once. But he plays the sparkle as though he's like, <laughs> like horribly, like disfigured. Yeah, like he's been like had acid thrown on him or something, and is some mm-hmm. sort of like he calls himself a monster. It's like it clearly is a good look. Like this is right. this is like David Bowie. Do you know what I mean? This is not right. A, yeah, he should have just opened his shirt and like, and we look like this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and, and he's been that way long enough. And I don't know. Anyway, so I, I it's it's so it's so uh, odd to me that he I, I cannot I don't buy that at all for him in that moment. Of all the things that make him a monster, that is not one. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, Please go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. We just have this setup of these these two different vampire lifestyles, and then they clash during a a, a baseball game that is supposed to be <laughs> whimsical and fun. Um, look at us; we're all very strong and have different superpowers, which I don't even care to go into that nope, much. But nope. um, the other ones come up, and here's the, the joke I'm leading up to: when bad guy Cam gets a whiff of Bella. Uh huh. Because what we have not mentioned is that her her particular scent is irresistible. That's part of why he can't control himself. That's also part of why some members of a family have a hard time controlling themselves. She has a particular musk that is just <laughs> vampire heroin, as he says, which I get if he's that old, he's maybe had experience with that. But that's such a strange yeah, yeah. way to describe it for 15-year-olds. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I think of your typical suburban, you know, clarinet playing yes, um, right. straight B student in her room. Like, ah, heroin. Now I understand. <laughs> uh, uh, so he gets a literal whiff of her and he, he wants a piece of that action, which leads her to hide in Arizona. And um, he the cam guy follows her. Everyone is involved in her old ballet studio because while she's clumsy. And that's repeated a lot. Yeah. Dance was really important to her as a child. He's tricked her into thinking that her mother is there when she's right. not. She's out of right. town. She's safe. And then there's a very long, also gross and predatory and gratuitous and just and I that I don't I don't I don't want to call it 
sexualized because I'd, I'm upset that if that's true. But you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just a really grotesque um, predator-prey thing yep. where he bites her on the wrist and has infected her with the venom. And the only point I'm making here, you're going to be disappointed, is that that crescent moon scar mm-hmm. is becomes really important sort of through the rest of the series. You know, it's oh. just her, that's her scar thing. And Tobin, you had a small um, <laughs> oh, no. hand a while <laughs> yeah. back. Yes, I did. And and you, so you have a scar, not in the, on your wrist, but on the top of your hand that yeah. is in a similar crescent moon shape. And ever since that happened, oh, no. <laughs> whenever I'm around you for the first time and I haven't been around you recently, yeah, I remember yeah. that. It makes me think of that. And I, I, in my head, I call it your twilight scar. Oh my God. I'm, I feel terrible now. <laughs> Because it is, it's a big scar, and it does, it is that size. I mean, it's that shape, and yeah. Oh my God, you're right. I have a, I have a twilight scar. Oh no. So I don't know if Edward sucked the venom out of you, um, <laughs> no. the way he did Bella. Well, I don't sparkle. Keep, so yeah, not yet. In order to keep her from becoming a vampire, but also to save her life. I, but that's a big thing. He stopped before all her blood was gone. He was able to stop himself. Yeah. Which I guess, okay, demonstrates he can't control himself. So now shut up about it and don't make it her responsibility. Right, right. <laughs> but they didn't invite me to the party. And again, in the hospital, her mom shows up. Yeah. Her mom right. shows up. Her mom right. does not get credit for showing up. Right, right. When, you know, mustache man is, I don't know where he was. That's a great point. No, that's a great point. Thank you. Um, I think the, so yeah, I've no. fast forwarded, but only because I just can't handle it anymore. <laughs> I think the filmmaking really fails in this final sequence, too. It reads to me like the baseball game happens and then they're all in a rush to get Bella away and hide her somewhere. And some of them are taking her and some of them are chasing the guy, the, the bad guys. And like suddenly so and it feels like the bad guy vampire is running and smelling for her and he's run. Maybe he's a tracker. That's his skill set. Right. And he's run maybe for an hour, 15 minutes or something, <laughs> and then stops and sniffs. And then we cut to Arizona and she's already in Arizona. And right. then cut back to the vampire in that same spot, unsniffing or, or still sniffing. And it's it's like time has no meaning anymore. Like, I don't care how fast you run and what, what like they, they've they've this thing is that feels like it's supposed to play as like this cross cutting back and forth. These things happen at the same time. It all just goes like it just gets tossed out. The logic yeah. of the timing of all that gets tossed out in this sequence that if you are a, this is one of the places where in a movie, the, where so much of the filmmaking is, is working as a, as, as you know, much as I don't like what it's doing <laughs> as mm-hmm. much of it, so much of it's working. And here's a place where it's, where it is really sort of falling apart. And I, I think that's, yeah, that's, it's, it's not the worst like thing in the movie, but finish the movie. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. And I, I maybe I should applaud it for that. Did you understand from either this movie or the previous movies or the subsequent movies why Carlisle makes them in the first place? There's so much there seems to be so much in this movie about who should yeah, you or shouldn't yeah. you make someone a vampire? Like, why did he do it to all these kids? I mean, I'm not going to be able to answer that in a way that you're, is going to be helpful to you. But in each of the cases, it was either they were going to die and perhaps die in a gruesome fashion or this was an alternative. So for, you know, for Edward, it was, he was going to die of Spanish flu, right? I I believe. Um, We learn more about each of the others as the series progresses. We know that Casper's the youngest. I'm saying we. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) um, Rosalie's is particularly troubling because it does have to do with sexual assault and and gender-based violence. Um, Oh, God. 
the, the only thing I'll say about that then is like, and again, I shouldn't be looking this deeply into the logic of this thing, but why, like as a doctor living for however many hundreds of years he's lived, how many people has he seen about to die a gruesome death? Like that would be something I think he would see in the pre-penicillin age all the time. Right. And he's chosen these kids like it, that. It, it continues to feed this kind of like there's something insidious going on underneath all this stuff that's not being addressed right. <laughs> by the by the movie. Yeah. So. And, and like I've, I've said casually to people when we're not recording a podcast podcast, it sideswipes, I think, the important questions and the most interesting questions. For example, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then I know just one example, we can have many, we can each have one. Uh, for okay. One example, if Jasper, for instance, is that sensitive to blood, but any of them um, and blood just on the surface, how mm -hmm. are they possibly going to public high school or any high school for that matter? But I mean, out in yes. public, how are they out in public right. going to high school with hundreds of of teens with hormones and uteruses a pumping they're mm -hmm. in the, mm -hmm. they are in a a, a hand a a, a <laughs> they are at any given moment just a a handshake away from open blood yeah and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that but it's just true and but so in this book so yeah. yeah. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make any it sense. It doesn't track. make any sense. Twilight don't track. <laughs> Turns out. Turns it out. Don't track. The last thing that I have in my notes. Uh, well, two things. One, I have this. My very last note is that all these men are so possessive of her. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of possession going on at the end. And and the other the the and this is true for my other last note, which is what ha what they do to the dad figure Charlie. That's mm -hmm. his name, right? The chief of police. Where he at the at the beginning, as we said, was so was fostered her independence in a way, and then in the end, you get the easy scenes of him like Doug, take your look now. Look, mason pepper spray are maybe a good thing for people to carry, but there's the implications of these scenes. Is isn't this funny? This dad intimidating this right. young man who's here to date the daughter and watch out, or I'm gonna I'm the chief of police. I'm gonna hunt you down. Like I, I and this is something I work really hard not to do in my own life to make jokes about, uh, you know, uh, a female child in a different way than a male child right. that came up very early after they were born. I remember very good friends of ours made some joke about how, well, if I had a daughter, no way I'm going to send her out to blah, 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 blah. Or she's not going to, she's not going to drive her, you know, drive her own car, or go on a date till she's 25. Like I never, I, I, I try really hard never to make jokes about one yeah it's just know, weird that that strange possession over someone else's sexuality right exactly thank you yep that's it so that bothered me in this movie yeah in it's a big way it's is bothersome in the world and it's, <laughs> yes, it's bothersome and this movie, again this movie just takes reinforces all this yeah. old narratives that we just we can be done with can we just agree to be done with some of these yes okay excellent now that we've agreed Let's, yeah good would you like to play a game <laughs> Oh, thank God I've been waiting for this okay. game. And, and please, uh, those of you listening at home, please play along. This is <laughs> Would You Rather Twilight Edition. Okay. Um, would you rather live in, a const in constant overcast weather, but be in a community with other people, or live in a tropical paradise, but only with your family? 
Oh, that's so hard. I, I So I went to college in the Pacific Northwest, and one year we had 42 days of solid rain, <laughs> nothing but rain. And it did never bother me in a way that it bothered other people. So I'm not put off by constant overcast rain. Is, is my family with me there, too? Yes. My family has a harder time with that. Mm. So I think we're going to go where it's sunny because it will be better for them. And that was my one of my wanderings in this film. Okay, you're sparkly when it's sunny and you don't want people to see. You are apparently have just wealth on, <laughs> you know. Yes, yes, yes. So wealthy. Just go buy an island and live there by yourselves and eat whatever yeah. the F you want. Like. But you don't understand. Carlisle is such a good doctor. Oh, right, right. Yeah. He can't, it would be a disservice to people not to have in, him practicing. In Fort Washington, in a town of 3,000 people. They do now have a sign, <laughs> or they did for a while, outside the hospital that said parking for Dr. Carlisle. Oh, funny. Yeah. Um, would you rather have a supernatural piggyback ride through the forest... or have your subjective future told by someone who kinds of sees the future (laughs) i would definitely rather have the piggyback ride (laughs) see my motion sickness i would much rather have have a because it's i don't know that alice would be any better than anyone else who's told my future okay (laughs) i like this one this is a good one folks would you rather go to high school for 90 years or have to be friends with Bella for four years of high school. <gasps> oh, like every day, that's... every class. I like think every day, every every class. I would rather go ninety years of high school. I had a really good time in high school. I know me too. And, uh, so ninety years does seem like a long time to spend in high school. And I guess you'd have to be going to different high schools too, because you couldn't stay at the same high school right, for ninety years. Did, People would get suspicious. Yeah. Um, yeah, but art installation of of graduation caps. It was so funny. Yeah. So I think I would rather do that, though, because I think it would be pretty terrible to have to be directly in relation to her for that long. I agree. All right. Here we go. Would you rather be propelled across the room every time you got aroused (laughs) or have a natural smell that drove people literally insane? Oh, wow. (laughs) That's hard. Okay. Would I rather... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Be be thrown across the room when I'm aroused or have a smell that drives people actually crazy. Mm-hmm. Is the scent that I'm wearing something that could be covered up with other scents? Like if I doused myself in a heavy dose of cologne, would I be I able to know. cover it? I mean, the way it's portrayed in the film, it you seems like really it's Bella's it. smell. So. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I don't want to drive people actual actually crazy. I I could handle being thrown across the room. Uh, okay. Otherwise, I couldn't live by anybody if I'm driving them crazy. That's so true. yeah, I I would go with that. Okay, I just have to like wear a helmet or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, or something. Or yeah. something. Um, would you rather appear to be dating your foster and or step sibling, or appear to have adopted children your own age? oh my god those are both so terrible (laughs) not terrible but like and that's a hard choice both part of the world that people say i mean they say it's weird but bella doesn't think it's weird no no she buys into it pretty wholeheartedly here i guess i would go with the first option Mm -hmm. 
yes, rather than having adopted kids who are my own age, that's 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 a different level of creepy, mm-hmm. I think. What about you? I mean, because it's written as a peer in both, you know, maybe you're not actually dating your your foster sibling. It just appears that you are. Yeah, right. There you go. Um, yeah. So that that's that's, the, that's the loophole for me. Um, okay. Phew. Would you rather eat at the same diner every day for six months <laughs> or travel with a farm league baseball team for one year? Oh, same diner. <laughs> I basically did that in grad school That's in true. New York. So. But it was a falafel right. stand. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Tom's diner. Oh, that's true. I, I had Thanksgiving dinner more than once, a turkey burger at Tom's diner. Okay. And finally, I think we, or we know where you're going to land on this one. Okay. Would you rather keep a sheriff mustache forever or <laughs> sparkle in the sunshine? Sparkle in the sunshine. I, th- I, knew, I, w- it. I knew it. What, 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 a, what a party trick that would be. <laughs> oh, there you go. The, that is my would you rather Twilight Edition. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. And now it's time um, to really put our final thoughts, to crystallize our final thoughts. Tobin, wait, that is your line. I'm stepping on it. Please. (laughs) Now's the time where we get to crystallize our final thoughts (laughs) about this piece of cinema. So, Aislinn, is this movie a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Well, Tobin... It's tough because when it comes right down to it, I I don't want to be dismissive of the efforts of women in this industry. Uh-huh. Um, and I blame a lot of what's wrong here on the source material. So in terms of some of the behind the camera things, I wonder if, I mean, I guess I blame them. And I, I put it in the regressive category because it, did no one who was part of this project see these terrible messages that were then going to be um, made to appear to be, you know, the dominant messaging around relationships and sexuality and eventually race and, um, mm-hmm. and other things. So while, as you said, the filmmaking isn't, bad per se i bl- i blame everyone involved for not taking pause to say how can we change this right because they changed the whole ending mm-hmm. why couldn't they change the relationship so i'm gonna say regressive you i think a lot about romeo and juliet when i think about this story they're going for some kind of similar thing, a kind of love that shouldn't be between two very young people. And I have seen versions of Romeo and Juliet that alter the performances and the order of scenes sometimes and play with the ages of the characters and do things to uh, alter some of the more uh, easily problematic versions of that story. So I know it can be done with this kind of story. And I, to echo what you're saying, the fact that they seem unaware that the filmmaking seems to, the, the parts of it, especially that are so good, underline 
the make this feel like a romanticized version of this kind of story makes me a little bit sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. And so I have to say this is this is definitely for me falls into the regressive side. All right. Thank you for that. Sobering, really. (laughs) Yes. I got no laughs at the end of that one. That's just, this is, this is a, this is, this picture is not good for humanity. (laughs) Or vampires. (laughs) Isaac, can you tell us what we're going to do next? Next up, we have Winter's Bone coming in two weeks on May 29th with Cage Club co-founder, Mike Manzi. That's going to be a good one. I love that movie. I teach that movie almost every semester. I, I know that movie really well. That's going to be fun. Excellent. So that's not one you've already made up your mind on. <laughs> yeah. No, I did. I did tip my hand on that you one did. a little bit, but uh, but it's going to be a fun show. Come back and check it out. And if you haven't seen Winter's Bone, do watch it before you come and listen to us because it's worth it. It is. It's good. Isla, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Thank you. I'm sorry we had to watch the movie again, but I feel like it was a good conversation. And I will just say one more time, if anyone is even remotely interested in watching it, um, please watch it with the riff tracks. It's so much more enjoyable. <laughs> um, Tobin, where where are you at these days? Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington. Eisen, where can they find you? <laughs> on Twitter at SassyNerdMT um, intermittently. <laughs> and you can find us at facebook.com slash the contenders pod or on twitter at contenders underscore pod tell us what movies you'd like to see us do in the future we here at the contenders are proud members of the cage club podcast network you can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me that's cageclub.me and you can find them on twitter at cage club pod Subscribe to our show, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a nice little review. They make us feel really good when you do that, and they can help us spread the word about the show. Uh, Maybe suggest uh, the show to someone that you know. If everybody suggests the show to one other person, we double our audience, and that would be really cool. Look at you doing Uh, that. (laughs) That's after last week, after uh, uh, Hidden Figures. This is about as far as my math skills go. There you go. But I am Tobin Addington. And I am Islan Addington. And we'll see you next time on The Contenders. Do you want me to say from Stephanie Meyer's book? I think we should, because this is going to play okay. a part in our thing here. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to start again. I'm going to read the whole sentence. Okay. Writer Melissa Rosenberg, um, who is adapted. Mm, I was going to say the whole sentence. Give them each a ding, though. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They both are in a ding. You know, when I got home today, I thought this one's going to be quick because it's just (laughs) us and it's Twilight. Uh, Um, Isaac, can you tell us what we're going to do next? I would love to. Next up will be Winter's Bone coming in two weeks on May 29th. (laughs) (laughs) It's a funny date. You're a funny date. Mm. Fabulous.